0: Coming to you from the TireRack.com studios, TireRack.com, where you get there. unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, over 10000 recommended installers, TireRack.com. It's the way tire buying should be. Welcome, welcome in, kiddos. Um, Sad news from those of us who love movies. Carl Weathers dies at the age of 76 years old. No, he did not die in... Uh, in Rocky Four, okay? No, he did not die when he was chubs, and he fell out, didn't he fall, die falling out the window, right? When uh, Happy Gilmore presented him with the head of the alligator that had taken off his his hand, and know he actually really passed away at the age of seventy six years old. Uh, Carl Weathers, though, from known for the Rocky series, obviously also recently in Mandalorian. But to those of us old school uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger action flick guys, he might be best known for his work in The Predator, right? Predator. Anyway, rest in peace to Carl Weathers. Okay, so here's where we are on Caleb Williams. Yesterday, Colin Cowherd. Colin! Colin Cowherd came out and said that uh, he was told Caleb Williams didn't want to play in Chicago. I'm sure he got off the air and his phone that he usually leaves in his dressing room, plugged in, was buzzing, and when he got back to his dressing room, there was a whiskey tango foxtrot or two from either the Bears or maybe Caleb Williams' camp. So here's what will likely happen in the media. Okay, It's a Friday. It doesn't matter. It's a lead-up to the Super Bowl, so there's not a lot going on. Big college hoops weekend. Maybe LeBron gets traded, although that all of a sudden now has been denied in the media, even though the story came out in the media last night. So it's not going along. Not not a lot going on. So we'll talk about whatever we can talk about. So I'm sure there's people going to say, ah, Colin's got terrible information, bad information. My, my guess, and maybe more understanding is... He just has dated information that there was definitely a time where Caleb Williams' dad or camp or Caleb Williams himself was like, I don't want to go to Chicago, man. I don't, I don't want to go to Chicago outdoors. Yuck. They don't have dudes. Offense is a mess. No, thanks. Thanks. But have you seen what's happened in Chicago in the offseason? Right? What's happened in Chicago in the offseason is they've cleaned house with the offensive side of the football. And one of the guys that they were, they've were they been kicking around trying to hire is Cliff Kingsbury. Now, most people think Cliff Kingsbury will end up being the offensive coordinator with the Las Vegas Raiders. But the the what you have to read tea leaves here okay that's what you have to do you have to read tea leaves and the the bears have gone out and added jason hogtiling who's an offensive line coach right and he was a former offensive line coach with the tennessee titans if you know anything about the tennessee titans you're like oh they got a good offensive line Right. And he's been an offensive coordinator at uh, Williams, at uh, Wagner, Cornell, Colgate, but his specialty is offensive line. Right. That's what. And the offensive coordinator they hired was Luke Getze. You're like, oh, wait, that guy also comes over from Tennessee. And the guess is that the way it works. Is that they're not going to allow Caleb Williams to handpick his offensive coordinator? That's probably why they kicked the tires on Cliff Kingsbury. Okay, but when you fire Luke Getzey and you leave the position open, what you do is, and you know you have a rep, you have the reputation of, hey man, their offense has been a mess. They got to figure this thing out. The reason that Caleb Williams is no longer close to the idea of Chicago is because he's going to get to hand pick on some levels his offensive staff that he works with. Does it make sense? Like, look, he's not going to pick his offensive line coach. They picked it, but he's like, man, we need an offense. Well, I, I got to like, feel good about it. I got to feel really good about what we're running, and I got to feel really good about who's blocking for me. And then I got to feel really good about can we get some dudes to throw to. And they're sitting there going, hey, look, we have a second high first-round pick. We have the number one pick overall, which we're going to use on you. And we have whatever we'll get for Justin Fields. And with that, we're going to support you with a great new offensive coordinator who's going to work with you, in a style that you can play. Huh. And we're going to get a really good off. We're going to continue to work on fixing our offensive line. Keep in mind, our general manager is a former offensive lineman in the NFL. And then we're going to use some of our picks to get the best skill position talent we can possibly get. So Collins' information wasn't bad. Collins' information was if Luke Getzey was still the offensive coordinator and things remained the same. You didn't think it was weird that they cleaned house in the offense and left the defense the same? Why would they do that? Oh, hey, by the way, the a week later this story comes out that Caleb Williams didn't want to play in Chicago. I mean, th- these things aren't hard dots to connect, are they? right so shane waldron becomes their becomes their offensive coordinator and i'm sure that the information that that he had okay the information that colin had was he's around sc all the time he's around usc all the time and take a look at shane waldron's background right here's a guy who was the passing game coordinator with the la rams Here's a guy who's the offensive coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks the last 2 years and and I'll grant you like Dan can tell you they were bad this year. They were not good. And most of the blame gets put on Gino kind of regressing towards the mean. But last year, oh, they're pretty good. But Shane Waldron is a McVay McVay guy. He was with Mc, Mc, with McVay and all those guys on that Washington Redskins coaching staff going back to 2016. So what it feels like to me, and again, I don't have information the way that Colin had information. And I'm not criticizing Colin. I'm actually supporting him. Feels like to me that Colin for a long time, they're like, dude, I don't want to play for Luke Getzey in Chicago. That's a mess. No thanks. And then what had happened is in the last two weeks ago, the clear house, last week, the higher coordinator... And, oh, yeah, by the way, like, it's not Kingsbury who was at SC this year. That signifies, and, and look, maybe, maybe the reason that Collins said he prefers the Raiders is because Kingsbury might end up being with the Raiders as their offensive coordinator has been long rumored to be. But the guess is that they said, hey, look, we know what you want. We know how you want to play. We want to support you. We're not going to do what we've been doing offensively. We searched. We found this is a McVay guy. That's the offense that he runs. We're going to go out and get the best offensive line coach. They go get the guy from Tennessee. They've had a good offensive line for several years. Guys the market, this is what we're putting together. And your opinion changes. And this is no different than how it works in recruiting, how it works when you change jobs. You know? In recruiting... You sit there and go like, man, I don't want to play with that guy. I don't want to play for that guy. Like, don't worry. That guy's not going to be there. You know? So you just wait and wait and wait and wait. I don't think what Colin said was speaking out of turn. I think what Colin said was he didn't want to play for Luke Getze. And he probably wants to play for Cliff Kingsbury. And the Bears probably thought, well, we'd take Kingsbury. But they're not, I would say, I would guess, in love with Kingsbury's style of running the football. Although it really improved in Arizona. Uh, let me, let me ask you, uh, Dan Byer. Okay, you've seen Waldron up close and personal the last two years. You watch every Seahawks game. If you put a more talented quarterback in his offense, do you like it? Uh, I, yeah,
3: he's okay. I, I I wasn't in love with him. There's some strengths to it in terms of what they've done with Geno Smith. What is interesting about Waldron was Waldron was brought in. When Russell Wilson was able to have input on the offensive coordinator position. So, in that scenario, and what he did with the Seahawks, his addition to Pete Carroll's staff coming over from the Rams was a statement because it was wow, Russell Wilson has won one over Pete Carroll. Now, you mentioned last season, meaning 2022, that they were better offensively. And They just don't have it. They didn't have an identity, and I think that's part of the maybe the issues with what the Seahawks were having last year. Is we didn't know if they were a running team or a passing team. But for Waldron's case, for the work that he did with Geno Smith, I think is what helps him get this job with the Chicago Bears. You mentioned his previous ties that he had, uh, obviously with with McVay and, and that staff. But I think it's what they've done over the last two years. Um, to make Geno Smith a, a decent quarterback in the National Football League. They just they weren't consistent on offense.
0: Right. So th- th- there's the, and there's another, it's, it's. I mean, like, look, you can make it sound demeaning to Geno Smith, but the reality is he's been a guy who, as a starter, didn't look like he was good enough, was a career backup, and Seattle didn't know what they were going to do with the quarterback position going back a year ago, and he had a tremendous, they had a really, really good year. Like he got a massive raise, he had a really good year, and so I'm sure part of the sale is like, look, if he can do that with Geno Smith, imagine what he can do with you. Yeah, You know, imagine what he can do with you. And then you throw out the McVeigh. Everybody loves the McVeigh system, the McVeigh style, and you know, you th- you throw in Matt Stafford tape and all the different throws. And hey, here's how you really want to play. I-, I think the problem that I have heard with, um, with the Kingsbury style is. It leaves the quarterback unprotected too often. That's the feeling that it doesn't have the proper pass pro pass protections for a quarterback, and I'm sure that's that scares Caleb Williams a little bit. In that he got hit a lot this year. Now he also holds the ball a lot, kind of similarly to Russell Wilson, similarly to to. There's a lot of Ben Roethlisberger holds it because he was so big, guys would fall off him. He holds it a lot. He's not one of these get it and get rid of it quick guys. And if you hold it in Kingsbury's offense, you're going to get murdered. You got to get rid of that sucker quick. Pick a spot, throw it to it. But again, my my point is more it this reminds me, you know, it reminds me of do you remember when there was con, uh, conference expansion the first time? Okay, when Texas was going to leave for the Pac-12. And I can't remember who I can't remember who reported that, that that Texas was leaving for the Pac-12, that it was done. Okay? And then all of a sudden, the next day, it wasn't done. And the point was that, that I still come back on today was it was actually done. Texas had told people, we're out, we're leaving. And then ESPN, the Big 12, got together in the middle of the night and was like, hey, how can we get these guys to stay? They're like, what if we throw them the Longhorn, give them the Longhorn channel, okay, we'll give them what, what's the? We'll give them a, a bigger number so that in addition to making more money than everybody else in the league, they make even more money because they can support their own TV network on some level. And so if you went to bed the night before with that news and you woke up the next day, you're like, hey, that was a BS story. It wasn't a BS story. The story just changed. That's the same thing that happened with Caleb Williams. I, do, I, be, I believe Colin. There's too many stories of people saying, I don't know if he wants to play— if he's the number one overall pick, if he wants to go. That was, I don't want to go to Chicago. I don't want to go to Chicago. Now, by the way, to me, the best way to get yourself out of Chicago is not to let any of this stuff out is to go to Chicago and go like, look, I'm not playing for you guys, but I'm also not going to hurt the trade value of this piece. So all you got to do is trade me. I will shake hands, kiss babies, look like I'm coming here no matter what. You guys have to move me because I will not show up for the first day at work. Period. Stop. I don't believe that's what's happened. You, you can't look at what the Bears have done, gutting their offensive staff, hiring a new offensive coordinator, hiring a new offensive line coach, and think that they did it just on a whim, hoping it would work out because the offense wasn't good. No. They had to find who they thought was the best possible fit. And I'm sure they got some guidance from people around Caleb Williams. Why wouldn't you do that? Because the last thing you want is Caleb Williams to play like Justin Herbert's playing, where, what year are we on now? Are we on year four? Is this year four or year five coming up? I think this is year five for Justin Herbert. And he's had, like, a different coordinator every year. Now you get different voice, different verbiage again. You know, third time in four years, you have you have a, a different, or third time in three years, you have a different offensive coordinator? That was a
3: lot. This is the
0: best of the Doug
2: Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Traveling to watch college hoops this winter? No, you got to stay at Graduate Hotels. They're obsessed with college basketball just like us. Each hotel has a unique look, inspired by the local team and its traditions. And as a sports fan, you'll really get Graduate Hotels and all the cool specific design details. Chapel Hill, Bloomington, East Lansing stores, They're all in hometowns of some of college basketball's most iconic programs. And the hotels bring you into that story with every visit. Why would you stay anywhere else? Graduate Hotels has over 30 hotels coast to coast, down south, all over the Midwest. So the odds are there's one out there where you're going, especially games and big conferences. Check out all the graduate locations at graduatehotels.com. And when it's time to book, get up to 30% off a stay with the code Doug. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Go book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City
0: What up with you, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the TireRack.com studios, TireRack.com, where we get there on match selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10000 recommended dollars, TireRack.com, it's the way tire buying should be. So, just in preparation, next week at this time, and I'm going to just I'm gonna warn you, but also tell you, like I think what we do at Fox Sports Radio is pretty cool. So, Dan Patrick will be there. And I think he has shows like out by a pool, which is normally very cool in Vegas, although it's going to be freezing cold. Cowherd's not, which I actually like, and I'll tell you why in a second. I'm there, the rest of our crew, all the rest of the Fox Sports Radio people are there. So here's the challenge, and I'm going to give a quick shout out to Lee Mayock, because she, along with Jay Stu, books for this show. And uh, we got a lot of different stuff going on. We have... I haven't seen it. No one sent me the artist renderings, but I'm yet to... This is my seventh um, Super Bowl with Fox, and we always have, like, the best set, which I, I don't know what it does for us, but it sure feels really cool to walk in and sit down and be like, man, we got the best set here on Radio Row. It'll be amazing. It's at the Mandalay Bay. So if you're around in Vegas, you want to stop in. I know lots of people. I've had people, like, I was in an Uber in Vegas, and they were listening to your show. Stop in, come see us, and there'll be lots of... Celebs there. Right. But I want to give it's not open to the public public. at all. My bad. Well, you can still listen if you're just tell me with me. Okay. You get a security, be like, I'm with Gottlieb. Like, we don't know who that is. I'm with Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb, show Fox, we don't know who that is. Trust me. It's it's kind of a big thing. And then you can sneak in. But when you get caught and you sneak in, they arrest you. Don't say you're with me. That's where it ends. Anyway, bigger point was this. So the challenge, Super Bowl week, is you can get almost anybody, but it's got to fit into, like, times. Like, well, you know, he's only available at 10.15 to 10.15 to 10.30, whatever. So Lee and Jace Stu, like, that's what they're – they basically put together a grid, and that's what's going We'll try and get you the best guests. My thing is I love having these guests, but I also want to talk about sports. I don't want to talk about – whoever's paying them, you know, because you can get that anywhere, I feel like. Everybody's got people on. We want to keep it to sports, whatever the sports story of the day is. Uh, and Cowher can do that because he's not there, so he can turn down interviews. We won't necessarily turn them down, but if you hear one that goes shorter, it's because they didn't necessarily offer anything interesting, and we had to do the plug because he got to do the plug to get him. But I love Super Bowl week. I'm excited. Ants in Vegas, which is a perfect destination city. Like, we can pick apart the things we... It's not going to be warm. Okay. You know, driving sometimes can be a pain now in Vegas just because it, it used to be easier. Although I love what they've done with the strip where there's now a lot more kind of front-facing restaurants. You can walk down the strip and not just get those little leaflets to go to a gentleman's club or whatever or to call somebody's number to have them show up at your room. No, now you can actually go and get a meal, get a, get a beer, and, like, look at all the, the crazy people walking down the strip. Um. There's something about belief in self and understanding who you are that I think is the most—I don't know—it's just the most important part of life. And again, that doesn't mean being complacent in your current job. And if you're in a relationship, you don't have to be complacent in that relationship. Like, I think the thing you learn as you age and, um, is that. Even relationships that aren't perfect or right, like you can evolve them. It's a challenge; it's not easy, but you can change them. You can just, hey, like we need to change this dynamic here. And that's a work relationship, that especially a romantic relationship, right? It's like, well, you know, that relationship wasn't great. Like, well, did you try and fix it? Well, no. Okay, we can try. You can. You can evolve things. People can be different to each other. But the number one thing I think you need is to know who you are and accept who you are and accept that who you are is good. it has got to be good enough. And I feel like, I, I just feel like Lamar Jackson isn't there. And this may come across as unfair, but I, I saw this story and it, um, I don't know, It just it just felt to me like, Here's a guy who doesn't really know who he is or doesn't want to embrace who he is and instead tries to prove he's somebody he is not. Lamar Jackson struggled this past weekend. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. And how many different analysts, former coaches, we just had a former GM on, and they all say the same thing like, why don't they run the ball more? Why don't they run the ball more? Here's John Harbaugh, his head coach, when he talked about Lamar playing a bigger
4: role in the offensive scheming. You say Lamar has the keys to the offense, okay? Now you build the offense, it's like setting up a car. We've got to build a car. We've got to set the car up. Lamar's a driver. He's got to be involved in the setup of the car even more. Last year that wasn't even possible, right? This year he's going to be involved, and he's, we've talked about it. He's already involved about what we talked about yesterday in setting up that car. Now he comes in on the front end, and he's talking to the guys about how the car's set up and exactly how these things need to be run. This year every day was a new day in the offense you know right on through to the last part of the season. Next year it won't be a new day every single day and that's that's pretty easy to figure out and, and, and make it makes sense, right? But it's it's real and I'm looking forward to that next part of that process. He's he's talking Xs and Os. He's talking the opportunity and how we attack the different defenses that we play. Anything from how we practice to it to the options that we have, you know, protecting runs Pass protection, how we protect and how we adjust the protections, uh, how we get to certain routes against certain coverages. Those are things that are on his mind, you know, and those are things that he's going to be involved with the staff talking about. You know, I'm excited about that. He wants to do it, uh, you know, and he's just into it, man. He's really into it. Um,
0: I think that Lamar has heard enough of us say, and he knows the quarterback position well, he wants to prove to us. I can be a pocket guy. Now, look, there's a a supreme amount of intelligence and understanding that at some point you start to slow down, you get hit, and you get hit, you get hurt, it shortens your career, and he wants to have a long and illustrious career. He wants to win multiple Super Bowls. It looks like he's going to win multiple MVPs. But, But what that soundbite signifies to me is that, at uh, one, like I said, I thought this was their best shot ever. He was still on his rookie deal, granted his fifth year. But it was an offense that people hadn't seen how they wanted to use him in this type of spot against that level of team. And they didn't really have a book on him where next year, yes, he'll have better knowledge of the offense and they'll have a better feel, but so will everybody else and there's likely they're going to miss some pieces because you can't pay your quarterback that much more money and in effect that the cap and something not give. But the biggest takeaway and I've said this since I watched the game is I feel like Lamar was trying to prove to us he can he's a better passer than he actually is and it backfired. It backfired. Yes, there are there is a lower ceiling when you run a bunch. Okay. But I would also challenge that. I, I, I equate this to Deshaun Watson's last year at Clemson when they won the national title. There are, his performances that year were uneven because he was trying to throw, show he could throw. He was trying to show that he could be a starting NFL quarterback, a number one overall pick. And then when they got to the, the playoff, they, then he was just like, let's just go, let's just go play, and he ran it a ton. He made unbelievable plays with his legs, and frankly, the defense wasn't that prepared for it. That's what I would have done in this situation. Doesn't mean I would have run Greg Roman's offense, but I definitely would have used him as a running threat a whole lot more because it's not just he's running; he's the most dynamic runner we've ever seen at that position, and he can throw. But this is a lot like when Lamar came out, you know? Here's how good that guy is. In spite of the fact that he doesn't want us to know he's a great runner, he's probably the best running quarterback of all time. In spite of the fact that having your mom as your agent has been an abject disaster to everybody around He's going to get paid more than anybody but, like, two guys in the NFL next year. Maybe there'll be a couple more contracts. In spite of the fact that he's been uneven as a passer, especially outside the numbers, um, he's going to win his second MVP. But, but, this is a big but, had he had a traditional agent, he probably would have gone higher. Had he had a traditional agent, he probably would have run. Remember, he didn't run the 40 when he was at the combine. That was when the whole will you run routes with the wide receivers came out. Why would you run the 40? Why, if you're the fastest quarterback ever recorded, wouldn't you want to be recorded as the fastest quarterback ever recorded? Lean into your strengths. It was explained to me a long time ago, the difference between a pro and an amateur. And it was a little like this. Amateurs try to prove to you that they're not what they, you think they are. Pros do what they do well and don't do anything else. Now, look, he's, he's an amazing talent. He's an improved passer. He's not bad. He's not Tebow or whatever. But he's also not Stafford. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Pat Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen yet as a, as a thrower. And may, may never be, but they're never going to be him as a runner. I just, I feel like one of the reasons for the disparity in run pass or maybe pass run is Lamar trying to prove to people that he's not who we think he is. Instead of just doing what he does well and do that thing. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows
2: at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
0: Traveling to watch college hoops this winter? It's Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. It's interesting, Carl Weathers died today at the age of 76 years old. And he's in, uh, he's in some movies with some iconic lines there, Jay Stu, is he not? Right, like his last Rocky that he was alive in, um, he had a couple of great lines, but the best line of that movie was Drago saying, I must break you. I must break you. All right. We mentioned that he was in uh Predator, right? That had some great lines in it as well. Carl Weathers, uh a former played in the NFL for a little bit and played in the Canadian Football League as well. And uh then he became an actor. He was in Close Encounters, he was in, you know, uh, All the Rockies up to Rocky 4 to Rocky IV and then of course Creed well that's his son so he still plays a factor in Creed but man that's, it's just crazy and of course he was in Happy Gilmore as well as little Nikki, you know and then most recently in The Mandalorian and passed away today at the age of 76 years old I bring it up because like look there's um, there's there's just some movie lines and analogies that you can make obviously Rocky is is one of the great ones Here's Jim Harbaugh using a different movie, a different analogy. Tell me what you think.
4: Very uh, excited. If I could describe it to you, it'd be like it'd be like Morgan Freeman in Shawshank Redemption. You know, red. I'm so, I'm so excited that I, I, I find I you know I can't sit still or or hold a thought in my head, you know, uh, what a free man would feel before a long journey. And uh, I just want to make it across the border, want to uh, shake my friend's hand, that's, that's how I feel. And uh, I want to get, uh, you know, want to win, want to win the right way, want to treat people uh, 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 in a first class way and, uh, you know, get really good at football and um, attacking each day. Like John said, I'm attacking it with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind.
0: Uh, okay, so who is his friend that he wants to shake his hand at, on the other side of the border? Do we know that, Jay Stu?
3: Uh, it was Red. Red wanted to shake Andy's hand. No, no, hand.
0: I, I know that. I mean for Harbaugh.
3: No, everyone's interpreting this as that uh, Michigan was prison, and he's now a free man.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Michigan's prison, but there's just a lot of other stuff. I think what happens in college coaching is especially now. It's a lot less about coaching and about other stuff. And Jim Harbaugh loves coaching, loves ball, and that's where the freedom comes from. It. Mark Dominick joins us. He spent over twenty years in NFL front offices and in scouting. Um, lot to get to. What do you think of the Harbaugh hire?
5: What do I think of the Jim Harbaugh comments? Huh? What? Sorry, Mister. Clicked out of me right as soon as you called.
0: What do you? What? what do you think of the Harbaugh fit? I mean, like it's one of those things that most of us who don't really know football were like, he's won everywhere. It'll work, but will it work in that organization in this NFL?
5: Yeah. Sorry about that. And yes, I think it will work. Uh, Look, I'm a, I'm a believer in Harbaugh and what he's been able to accomplish uh, wherever he's been, whether it's a San Diego state to Michigan, to the 49ers now to the chargers. He's been able to turn programs, uh, Around, Um, you know, he's got a a swagger to him that's unique. Uh, I know that he can come across to some people as very different, but he does love to coach ball, and I think that's good news. I I use the analogy: in 2010, uh, we went out to San Francisco and beat them 21 nothing. You know, beat Mike Singletary's team 21 nothing with our Tampa Bay team, one of the youngest teams in the NFL at that time. And so we went out in 2011, right back got to the same Bay Area. They beat us 48-3. to three. It wasn't that much of a difference. Alex Smith was the quarterback, so that was a little different. But, you know, Alex only had, like, 200 yards passing. It was just the whole team was just different. And so I think that that's what you're going to see with Harbaugh with the Chargers. And I'm sure that's where everybody in the AFC West is very alert of that and knows that next year is going to be a tough journey for all of them. Uh,
0: uh, going to be fascinating to see what he does with that roster, how quickly he can turn around. But he does feel like a culture changer, and that's a place that's needed a culture change. Yep. Um all right, what coaching hire makes you scratch your head the most?
5: Uh, you know, it's, tough. it's a it's a meteoric rise for Canales. Uh, you know, nine months in Tampa Bay. I certainly did a great job with Baker Mayfield and that team and put a team that a lot of, myself included, didn't didn't exceed them winning the division in 2023, and they did. And offensively, they made plays, and and certainly, again, he got the most out of uh, Baker basically than anybody's ever gotten. And I think that was a big piece of it, knowing that the Bryce Young uh, piece there is in Carolina. But that just seemed like a very fast, fast ride. I mean, Callahan was only a matter of time uh, that he was going to get the opportunity. Uh, You know, Raheem Morris, I'm very happy about. Dan Quinn's not a big surprise to me at all. So I think uh, out of all of them, I just think the Canales is, is a very fast rise, not, not to be anything wrong with that, but it's uh, you know, it's, it's not an easy journey that he's got to fix there either.
0: No, it, it, it's not. Um, the Bears, I mean, there was a story out yesterday, actually Colin then refuted his own story, that Caleb Williams didn't want to go to the Bears. Then they're like, no, we're okay with going to the Bears. Feels like, okay, again, and you know the league more than I do, he didn't want to play when Luke Getzey was the offensive coordinator there, right? So they got the offensive side, and now they're like, what do you think now? Is that, a, is that a reasonable feel for the change that were made in Chicago and why the change of heart where Caleb Williams, you know, told Cowherd through his people that that's not the case, he does want to play in Chicago?
5: I think there's a lot to be said there, Doug. I think you're on to it, and I think that's part of the reason why things changed. I mean, uh, you know, I think he's going to the Bears, as we've talked about before. I think that they're going to try to shop and see what they can get for Justin Fields, and at the end they'll just take the best offer they can get. I think that type of team is going to be a team that already has a veteran experienced quarterback. I think if you're going, hey, look, I'm Atlanta, I'm looking for the quarterback of the future, I don't think you're trading Justin Fields uh, because I'd say, well, then why are the Bears not keeping him in the first place? But if I've got a, a veteran quarterback and I could use Justin Fields in packages and I could also continue to see what I can get out of him and work with him, I could see that being a more likely scenario, but I don't think it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be the Trey Lance kind of world. I don't think it's going to be, hey, let's give up a one or let's give up a two for Justin Fields, because, again, the team that has him didn't win and uh, or didn't win enough. And they certainly acquired a pick. And now they have the number one pick overall.
0: What's your opinion of Lamar Jackson now that we've seen him on that stage in this offense?
5: Oh, just disappointing. You know, I felt a little bit the way Rex Ryan did. That you know they could have run the ball a lot more efficiently, and I think a lot more consistently. And they just decided not to. They put it all on his shoulders, which is what you can expect to do. Um, And you know, obviously the fumble, uh, you know, at the goal line is a painful play to have happen. Uh, I think the confidence is still there with Lamar. I think the confidence will be there with this team. And I think that the the way that the Dallas Cowboys are talking about, hey, we're just basically we're so close to the hoop, we're going to run it back. I think the Ravens are thinking the same exact thing. I think they feel very confident going into this off season. Happened to be around a lot of them at the Senior Bowl this week, and I think as much as that loss was very bitter for a team that played well all season, it's why we love the NFL because you know what? You can have a great regular season and it just doesn't all come together in a, an important matchup. And now we've got the Kansas City Chiefs back again, and that's just as miraculous to me based off of how they were playing early in the season as well.
0: If let's let's go a little deeper though into that passing when they when based upon the matchup, based upon how Kansas City was playing them, they probably should have run the football more. Did they do that to help Lamar make a point? Right? Like, it's like, I, I mean, I, I fully understand if that was their game plan, but, I mean, everyone we've had on is like, man, why didn't they run the football more? And you're sitting there going, well, maybe they didn't run it more because Lamar didn't want to run it. He wanted to prove he could throw it. He could He could win from the pocket.
5: I don't think Lamar has all that freedom. I mean, I understand what you're saying, Doug, but I have a feeling there's a lot of times, I mean, the head coach is on the mic like, hey, let's run the ball here now. Let's, let's stop throwing this ball. Let's get back this game back in control. And it never was out-of-control a control game. And so my gut instinct is that uh, they just got too excited about it. And we're trying to, you know, I think going into the game, they had preconceived notions of what they were going to be able to take advantage of, and they built a game plan around that. And Kansas City stepped up to the challenge and made enough plays in the passing game where they weren't able to be as effective or as productive as I think they predicted to be. And in the middle of the game plan, I don't think they adjusted, whether that was halftime or the fourth quarter or third quarter or whenever. That's one thing where I'd say that, you know, looking back, I'm sure watching that tape, they're like, yeah, you know, we ran the ball pretty darn good too when we did run it. And I wish we'd have you know been able to do that a little bit more. And I think it would have made Lamar more effective. And I just think it would have been for a, a more likely outcome, but, Hard to take anything away from Kansas City. This is not their best offensive unit they've ever had, but certainly uh, one of the top defensive units.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Here they are again. Okay, the other side is San Francisco and Detroit. And, again, we've talked about this all week, this idea that, well, you know, Detroit went for it all year, but you didn't. You kicked a field goal in the first half. You just didn't go for it the whole game. M- my biggest issue would be you're up 14. You know, you lost a little momentum. Kick the field goal, go up 17, three scores. I thought, I didn't think Dan Campbell had his best day. Do you?
5: I couldn't. I mean, I was yelling at the TV. I felt very uh, shocked when you're on the road and you can make it a three score game in the NFC Championship game. I don't care what your percentage of victory total is, and I, I really don't care what the analytics say if it was one way or the other, but I would say analytically, if I can get up by three scores. I feel pretty good about that, and I also feel like you know I've got momentum back on my side because San Francisco is going, okay, we're going to have to score two touchdowns and a field goal to try to even have a chance to tie this or win this game, and that's a lot, and so I think it was a horrific mistake. It's easy for me to say that. I appreciate that during the season they were going quarter-fourth-round great. Your whole season doesn't end in the regular season. It does in the playoffs, and it does on the road, and you've got to get the momentum back on your side, and I think it was, I think you've got to admit internally, whether he wants to admit it externally, internally, that is going to eat at him for a long time.
0: A long, long time. Um, Alright, where, where are we now? With, you've always been a big Brock Purdy fan. He led him on an incredible comeback, but there's a little bit of... And I'm not saying he's Tebow, but we used to say this about Tebow, he gets credit for putting out a fire that he started. Um, where are you on Brock Purdy now that we've seen yet another comeback in the playoffs?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some great sound in there where you've seen Kittle talking to Brock Purdy in the first half, and you can see that Brock Purdy seemed like he was like, "Yeah, I got it. I've got this, and I'll get this back in order. And we'll get the ship back going." Um, you know, I I just think that to say Brock Purdy's a game manager, I just don't agree with that. You, you you just can't make the placements, you can't make the decisions, you can't. They're guys that can game manage, but usually it's, you know, they're going to hand the ball off and they make the occasional big throw. And I realize that the big thing about the 49ers is the explosion plays. But I'm very excited for Brock Pretty. I think it's a great outcome. I think that, you know, we've got a matchup that we've seen back in 2020. Um, you know, the 49ers feel like a completely I mean, they're both teams are fairly different. The Chiefs aren't as talented offensively. I think the 49ers are a little more talented defensively, and I think they're in good health shape, I think, for the championship game. I just, I, I, you know, I want, my head says, yeah, you should pick the San Francisco 49ers.
0: But how can you pick uh, against Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid? I, Reed? Like, I, I how, agree.
5: I, I struggle with that. Like, I, My body says you take the 49ers, but then everything else says, are you really going to go into the Super Bowl and say, I think Patrick Mahomes is not going to win this? I, I just don't feel that way. I know the Bucks. Game when the, when it was rough, uh, you know, for the Chiefs, but their offensive line was horrific that that day, and the Chiefs' that line isn't horrific right now, and so I think that uh, I'm going to lean and on Kansas City by one ish, but you know, I feel like this is the year the 49ers win this thing, so it's it's a tough one, but it should make, make for great ratings, and you know, you include Taylor Swift, and this will be the highest rated Super Bowl of all time easily,
0: no question about it. Uh... Two more. Let, let's let's start with Belichick and Vrabel both out of work. Which surprised you
5: more? If you'd have asked me two months or a month ago, I'd have said Vrabel. But I have heard enough things about Vrabel that there's just some uncertainty about you know day to day, and I think that's kind of been why we didn't see a lot of interviews for, for Mike. And I think that's why maybe a year off might be the best thing for him. Uh, In that situation, I thought Belichick was going to be a long shot. You know, I know a lot felt like Atlanta was a possibility. The reason I say long shot this year is just you've got to decide if you want to reset every culture throughout the entire building. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. But then do you want to reset it again maybe in three or four years because Bill's decided, to? You know, I've got my 300 wins, I've got this, I've got that, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And now you've got to refigure that out. I think that's where Atlanta said, we've been with Raheem Morris. We've seen Raheem Morris. He's been in our building. We know what he can do, and we've seen him in a leadership role. And so uh, I would say Vrabel was, uh, but I think looking back, I'm kind of not surprised either one of them are out right now. Hmm.
0: Do you think either one of them get back in next year?
5: Well, I think the interesting thing is I think if one of them does, it's Belichick ends up somewhere in the NFC East. I think that's a real possibility now uh, based off of how the Giants play or how the Cowboys play. I think those are two very quick uh, spots based off of how those two teams have their season, based off the ownership and the relationship that they have with him and so i think that's a a strong possibility and i already can if you went down it right now doug as crazy as it sounds you can come up with eight to ten teams right now that will probably change head coaches or could change head coaches next year if there are eight openings uh i would think that Vrabel will get a shot but uh there are things about Vrabel that you've got to uncover and and make sure that you feel comfortable with uh bringing him in but he certainly got the most out of his team and out of his players that's no debate
0: awesome stuff as always um I, we're going to see you in Vegas, aren't we?
5: We're going to try. I know I'm, I'm, I'm coming in Wednesday. It just depends on how long I can stay, but I would love to see you in Vegas. So we're going to make that, try to make that work.
0: All right. Well, I know you'll be at the Spearmint Rhino, so we'll stop by and say, I'm kidding. <laughs> Mark Dominic join us. Mark, you're the best. Thanks for joining us, man. Take care, buddy. It's funny, right? right? Like, I mean, I you Spearmint Rhino, everybody, everybody knows that, and Mons Venus. And Mons Venus is in Tampa. I've never been to either. Uh, Lorena, when I say Spearmint Rhino, do you know what that is? Yeah, I believe it's a gentleman's club, right? There you go. See, everyone knows. Everyone knows. Jay Stu's got his own table there. They're like, oh, Jason! He's like uh, he's like Norman Cheers. I
3: prefer the uh, Peppermint Hippo.
0: Peppermint, is that, is that another one? I really don't know that. Yeah, it's another one. It's not really, is it? Did you just make that up? I'm falling. I think I fell for that one. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to thirty percent off. Book your basketball stays at GraduateHotels.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a
2: major scandal unfolds,
0: it was shocking.
2: I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals, huge amounts of money, CIA secrets, it sets off a firestorm in Washington.
4: Affairs, no way, this guy's got a mistress. Corruption, I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought.